Hello, and welcome to Cowboy Ed. We're giddy-upping today and into a new frontier. Today, we're just going to have a little chat about this this little event that's happening across the world that's uh, kind of big news. Yeah, the pandemic, COVID-19, and how it's impacted everything we do in school. So COVID-19 has changed lots of things that we do in school. Some maybe for the better, some for the worst. We all have our own experiences. We've all seen a lot of things, but we're not even through this thing yet. We're still in the middle of it. So let's just get some thoughts about what's happening, what we've seen, and what might just come of this event. Joe, what are you thinking about COVID-19 and how it's impacted education? Well, James, you know, for me, I'm a big statistics guy. So when you ask me the question, you know, how is COVID impacting schools? You know, me, I, I go big and I look at the world. I look at the U.S. I look at each state and I try to find some statistics uh, that'll, that'll help me uh, make sense of, you know, what is the real impact? Because there's a lot of anecdotal stuff out there. Um, and I found a lot of statistics, James. I'm not sure if you want to hear a couple, but I, I could throw a couple out there for you. Well, I know some people are pretty wide awake right now, so we've got to have a few <laughs> to tone us down just a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, James, you know, one of the one of the places I find some statistics is the Brookings Institute. And they and they put out some models that showed that you know, fourth and fifth graders are gonna lose a lot more ground than sixth through eighth graders. And, you know, we do a lot of testing with fourth through eighth graders and we try to, you know, see how the kids are doing in there. And then now that's just in reading. So if we kind of look at mathematics, it, they're actually saying that fourth through sixth graders are gonna lose a lot more ground than those seventh and eighth graders in math, uh, you know, versus what a typical year would look like. And, you know, uh, these are all models. You know, um, when I talk about these statistics, you know, they're models, they're projected uh, deficiencies or growth. And I don't know. I mean, do, do we really think that, you know, is mathematics more difficult to catch up on than reading? Uh, do we really think that those younger grades are going to be more impacted than the upper grades? I don't know. I tend to think so. I think there's something to be said for this. When we think about how this might impact education whether it's our, our upper elementary or middle school or high school, I think you bring up a, a, a great point to ponder here because a lot of it, Joe, depends on uh, what, what's been going on, wh what this looked like once it set in and what did kids do. Today, uh, I think we can all agree that kids have more access to more educational material than at any other point in history. And so to think that they have to get their education from school or they have to be sitting in school to become educated or work on reading or work on math or work on any of those things would be a pretty dangerous statement to make because there's lots of education out there. But how do we how, how did they harness it? How did parents work to harness? How did teachers work to harness it? I think some of those impacts are going to play a role in not only how it impacted kids right this second, 
But I think it's going to continue to evolve in how we move education forward because YouTube is a great educational source, as most of us would attest to. Uh, but it's also got a lot of education that ain't going to help you very far in life. And it ain't, it ain't going to necessarily make your ACT score any better either. But it's going to educate you. So uh, did parents, did kids, did they harness some of those things? Did they read more on the internet? Maybe they read more on Snapchat or, or Instagram and they were reading more there, but they were still reading. Were they getting exposed to new words? I, I think there's, there's a possibility here that, uh, that the, the school part of learning might have changed more than learning changed during this pandemic. Well, James, I have to agree with, you know, disagree with you on one point and then agree with you on another. Um, number one, I learn a lot of life skills on YouTube and that's for darn sure, you know, so like learning, you know, from YouTube that I, I, I don't think that's changed, but it does really help with those life skills, you know, like fixing a plumbing leak or, or, uh, you know, fixing my dishwasher or my washer and dryer, man, you know, I've learned a lot of skills on YouTube, but, um, you know, I, I just argue that, you know, school itself is the best tool we have available to help children grow exponentially. And I'm not saying that kids don't learn um, outside of school. There are tons of amazing things, uh, life skills, uh, you know, that, that kids are going to learn on the, on the ranch or, or out, um, you know, on the streets here and there. But I don't know. I really think that school is where kids need to be to have that exponential type of learning situation that provides them all of the materials they need in order to, to succeed and to learn the skills that they need to be successful citizens, you know, in, in Wyoming of tomorrow. Listening to what you were saying about education, you know, being this mechanism for learning and that learning being so different than the learning that we gain the life skills by and, you know, kind of manage our day. Um, I don't know that I agree with you. I think that we frame education in a really formal way with the curriculum that we develop, but the way we, like for me, the whole point of formal education has a, a lot to do with the processes of learning and those transfer back and forth between those two venues. And so when we think about the impact of the pandemic, we shook up that formal space. And so how do we, you know, kind of tease all that apart about formal education and informal education. And I don't know, you know, we're kind of in this experiment of does that physical space of school really matter, um, whether it's online or, you know, in a classroom, a lot of us moved from a classroom to a virtual space, but we still have that formal space of school. And the curriculum dictates what we are teaching in that space. But I don't know that that it matters, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> because I think that we make decisions about curriculum, but the way students learn as they're engaging with those curriculum, curricula, are the things that they like take into their life with them, right? So the formal learning in school becomes their way of dealing with the world. You know, I get that there's certain things that we want everyone to know, um, which is why we have, 
you know, those benchmarks and testing and all of that, but how to learn, I think is the biggest thing we take out of that formal space of school. Well, I think Maya, that is very well said. And, and, and the idea of, I think of that, uh, that we're headed into winter and the, the, the Christmas ball and we shook it up and we shook it up. And, and now we have to see where the dust settles. And in a sense, what you're talking about goes hand in hand with the whole world because the business world has been shaken up because of COVID as well. The idea of working remote isn't new, but suddenly it took on a whole new life during COVID and can work be done remotely? What are the advantages of the office that is remote? What is the disadvantage of the office that is remote in those things? So now we have that same experiment. We're all parents, kids, we're all in this experiment of what does, what does it look like when the snow settles again? And so you know, you think about formal schooling, and, and I really, this is, this is a dangerous conversation for, for all of us being in education, but let's, schools, schools a business, and school generates money for entities. It also generates a babysitting service, for lack of maybe the, the right way to say that, but it, it allows for parents to worry about just doing their job. And so we, we've seen parents start thinking about well, what is my kid learning? Just exactly what you were talking about. What is this curriculum? Why are they learning this? What is the steps they have to go to? And, and for years, you guys are all, you know, part of that. For years, we've talked about, can we move kids through? If they need to know this, can they test out of it? Can they move forward? Um, or do we just lock them in? A, do we just lock them in a class and leave them in a class until they've passed it and go from there? And so I, I think that we bring up this new question about, do we allow for kids to move through the system? Uh, is, is it the stuff they're learning? Is it the process of what they're learning? I think we're gonna have some new answers coming out of this. I totally agree with you. We're challenging what school means through this pandemic. And, you know, as we bring in the technology and we more or less force everyone to use it, we're requiring those interactions to be different in a lot of regard um, in terms of, you know, timing and how they feel and what kind of content we can work with, you know, in the space that we have. And, you know, we're talking about that impact of, of COVID on education, and I'm not sure that we can measure it with the same metrics that we've been measuring student learning. I don't know. What do you think about that, Joe? Well, I, I definitely think it's not all bleak, you know, and, you know, there are numbers coming out of France that actually show that sixth grade scores went up by almost 5% on entry level tests into the fall of 2020. Um, and second grade scores actually went up 2% in several math categories. And that was in zones that they kind of call like priority zones. So kids who are in urban areas and so forth. So, I mean, you know, what accounts for that, right? So, you know, even without school, these kids in these grades and in, in certain reading areas and mathematics areas, actually scores went up, right? So, so how do we account for that? Can do scores account for everything that, that we need to do to measure the effect of this pandemic? Obviously not, right? We're gonna see some, some ups and some downs, but I mean, James mentioned ACT scores, and in the end, you know, if, if an ACT score is a point lower or a point and a half lower, 
you know, that might make the difference for a kid who, you know, wants to go to into a specific field, uh, who wants to go to a specific major and can't get into it. Uh, you know, that makes a big difference in a kid's life. Um, and, you know, can we blame it on COVID? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think the I think the notion of, you know, this thing called school that, you know, gives us the knowledge and skill that we can we can really succeed in the world that that we live in. I just think it's so important and, and I continue to push uh, for for those ideas. I do agree it's challenging those notions, but how much of an effect will it all have? I'm not too sure. You know, I, I think we're, we're on this path and we're on a path of education is important. And, and Joe, you cited, you know, you looked at YouTube to fix, fix some plumbing issues and, and those kind of things. And most of us probably have looked at YouTube to fix something minor. Uh, but I, I still think, am I willing to look at YouTube and tear my engine apart in my car? Am I willing to look at YouTube and, uh, I don't know, repair a broken arm on one of my kids? Just say, man, I'm not going to the doctor. So there's a level of this in-between education that... And I hate to say some of the like elementary and those pieces, but maybe they're going to see a bigger change because parents can teach some of those skills. But as we talked about before we got together, will parents do that? And education for our country in particular, education for the globe has been this great opportunity maker. No matter what parents we had, it gave us an opportunity. Right. As the, the notion of public school being the great equalizer I actually think, and I wonder, you know, what you guys think, I think, and the statistics might show this too, that this pandemic is actually going to hit our more diverse background students, our low SES students, and our elementary students. I think it's going to hit um, those groups of students a lot more, and I want to know what you guys think about that. I totally agree with that because of the technology requirements. I think that even in places where the school has tried to hand out devices and make sure people have internet access, it's still not equitable. And there's still really different experiences in the home for students, you know, who are in the same school who, who on the surface look like they have, you know, the same access and the same devices and that kind of thing. And it makes me think about how education as a whole is going to going to deal with you know the inequities that have existed in education for a really long time because they're very visible right now and so that you know so what are we going to do about it i'm really interested to see where education moves because we've had to grapple with some of the things that were really easy to kind of push off to the side, like, hey, that kid doesn't have the same access to, you know, information or support for homework or whatever. But now when it's the main, you know, component of learning in the classroom, you can't ignore the fact that they're, this one's going without, and this one has, you know, I don't know, super speed internet and, you know, and whatever parent helping them find everything they need. Yeah, you bring up you know, that point of equity and access is, is such a, a, an interesting conversation. And it goes back to 
you know, the, the idea of the, the, the great book out there called The Homework Myth. Yeah, for me, it's been one of those things, the, the greatest thing we've ever, the, the worst thing we've done in, in the public school system, in my opinion, is ever assign homework. Because once you assign homework, you're relying on a lot of extra things that aren't equal. And have we justified what we did? Sure. But we put out that homework and kids and parents that had the means to help, whether it was internet or just be, be there, be, you know, wasn't, had a job that allowed them to be around after school, changed, changed. And we created very much an, uh, an equity gap for our kiddos. And so now this has put it front and center. Uh, we either are going to have to develop technology means to allow kids to connect, to kind of erase some of that, because we should not have to depend. If we're depending on parents to implement the education curriculum, then maybe we should just be curriculum writers and handing it off to the parents. I think this, this conversation has created a lot more questions than it has answers. That's what I feel like. Well said, James. And I also would say this, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, the parents said, hey, we're not the teachers here. And, you know, middle way through, and I kept hearing from parents, hey, I'm trying to teach my kid and I'm also, I got to go to work, you know, and we're quarantined here and what's going on. So um, I think the challenge is out there to question the role of education, to question how we educate, how we teach, just as Maya was saying here, and to really reinvent the idea of educating online through distance and being able to actually be the teacher and not just have it be a robot, uh, some you know, artificial intelligence uh, game that the kids are playing, uh, but to actually have it be us as teachers having a presence in the child's life and supporting the student, the parents, uh, the family, and so forth. I totally agree with what you're saying. As you were talking, I was thinking about I talked with an educator who's also a mom the other day, and she was listening to the Zoom instruction of her child, and she noted to me that the students were like, hey, I'm alone. Can I, um, you know, get off now? Or, you know, my parent, my family's going to go to lunch. Can I go with them? Or whatever. Like, there was this disruption in the space that I think the teachers are having to adjust to. And when you're talking about all of the roles having to come together and education now becomes the teachers and the parents and the students and the space and, you know, whatever metrics and policy and whatever we pack around that, you know, that's a very different experience for education in the U.S. in a lot of places. So I'm totally, totally taking what you're selling there. Well, and, and Maya, you brought up a, a great point about uh, a mom that's also an educator. Well, first off, let's, I think all the parents out there, they're educators, but some of us are, are professional educator, educators, just like I think all moms and dads out there are nurses and doctors in some way helping, but then there's the professionals and, and that's the role we get to play in this. But wow, what a fast and furious ride. And so episode one, our first chance to talk to you under our, our new direction as we're headed into this new frontier. Uh, what, a, what an exciting, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we had a great time kind of coming up with more questions than we did answers about COVID-19 and where education goes from, from here. But with that, we'll talk to you soon and we'll move them on. 
Head him up. Head him up. Move him on. Move him on. Head him up. Cowboy in. On the run. Right.